when you're paying a broker one, one and a half percent to your manager money, and then they throw you in a bunch of funds that have additional fees, you need to ask yourself, am I getting value for all that I'm paying? There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Retirement Success Blueprint podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in as Mike and I talk about investing finance and retirement. What's going on, my friend? How are you this week? Uh, things are going well. Everything's kind of getting back to normal somewhat in the world. So uh, yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, somewhat is the, the key uh, indicator in that statement. Well, good. I'm glad you guys are uh, moving right along and, and everybody seems to be, you know, getting that way when it comes to across the country, just kind of opening more and more and more. So hopefully that'll, that trend will continue. Uh, I saw a headline though, that uh, kind of COVID related, Mike, it said more than 25% of Americans are rating their retirement accounts due to, you know, COVID-19 related issues, job loss, so on and so forth. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I think a big part of that is, you know, when you see the headlines, you know, at the time of this taping here that, you know, 40 million people are unemployed, uh, a large portion of that are individuals that were either lower income, middle income, you know, not that everyone hasn't been impacted. And, you know, I know CNBC came out last year with a, a survey saying that, you know, 28% of the entire U.S. has zero savings. 58%, this is from Yahoo Finance, has less than $1,000 in retirement savings. So what that means is more than half of the country, you know, so even before COVID-19 and all the layoffs and all the unemployment, the market kind of volatility is almost 60% of the United States. If, you know, if they had an emergency where they required more than $1,000, uh, they wouldn't have the resources outside of maybe a credit card or something to actually go in and do it. So it doesn't surprise me on the headline when they say, you know, 25% of Americans, the first place that they need to go into when there's a loss of a paycheck or any kind of income disruption is into their retirement accounts. You know, now that comes yeah. with a whole bevy of other issues in that, but I think it's a state of where our economy is between the haves and the have-nots. Well, and you know, you and I talk often on the podcast, we've said long before even COVID, you know, about some basic pillars of investing in financial planning and retirement planning. And, you know, having that emergency fund is one of those areas to try to uh, have in that in the back pocket in the event that something happens. And of course, obviously no one expected that, but still same kind of principles do apply. So definitely not uh, too shocking there. So I tell you what, let's go ahead and hit our main topic this week on the podcast. It's really saying one thing and doing another. We found that for a lot of people, what they say and what they do don't often match. I don't think that's a surprise to most of us, right? In any walk of life, we see that a lot of times. But let's look at some examples from the financial world where we might find ourselves saying one thing, but our behavior uh, is indicating something different without us maybe even realizing it. Uh, for example, clipping coupons, always shopping for deals, that kind of thing. My wife's very big on looking at Amazon for all these different kinds of things and so on and so forth. But she doesn't really pay attention to the fees uh, inside her own investment portfolio that she has, like from work and things of that nature. That's that's pretty common, actually. No, it is. And you know, we tell clients that you know, fees, especially the internal fees, they're the silent assassin to your financial progress. And it doesn't mean that everything should be free. It just means that you need to be aware of what you're paying and just as importantly, why you're paying it. 
And, you know, where I bring this to light for a lot of clients, I like to use a lot of analogies, is I'll use the grocery store. You know, so think about when you or your wife, you go to the grocery store, you know, more times than not, you'll make a list, you know, exactly what you want to get. You know, not that you won't kind of pick up some things from the aisle here and there, you know, especially if you go in hungry. But what you'll do is you'll make a list and then you'll decide saying, okay, here's what I want. Then all of a sudden, you know, you'll pick up something and, you know, in the pre-COVID world, you know, you'll pick up something, look at it, look at the price and say, okay, is it worth that? Is there an alternative to it to where I can get something comparable, but not necessarily have to pay as much? Unfortunately, people don't do that when it comes to their money and their investments. They just assume that the cost is the cost. Now, I'm not saying that cheaper is better. What I'm saying is that there's cost and there's value. And think about it. Every day when I meet with clients, what winds up happening, the first thing that we do is resell them on what they already own. So let's say they're paying their broker, you know, one and a half percent as a management fee, and they've got this portfolio of all these different funds, and those funds are charging them another one percent. Now they know that they're paying the broker, but they never really figured that all those investments they had had additional internal fees. So in this case, if they're paying their broker one and a half, and they're paying the fund company one, their actual costs are about two and a half percent of the value of their account over ten years. That means 25% of the value of their account has gone on. Their broker may have actually made more money than them over the life of that relationship. <laughs> yeah. so, so when we talk about cost and value, product fees are costs, right? So whatever's internal to that, that is a cost. That's something that you can control. The value is in the advice. And we always tell clients, pay for advice. So as an example, if I charge a 1% advisory fee, then the conversation that we have for anybody that wants a balk at it, you know, and that's pretty low in the industry, but if somebody wants to complain about it, then we'll say, okay, well, look at it this way without really, you know, going too far in the weeds and strategies. Would paying us a 1% advisory fee to manage your entire financial relationship, taxes, estate planning, investment management, uh, you know, all those kind of things, well, could we do 1% better than you could do on your own or not do 1% less than what you would do on your own? And that kind of puts it in perspective. You know, but when you're paying a broker one, one and a half percent to your manager money, and then they throw you in a bunch of funds that have additional fees, you need to ask yourself, am I getting value for all that I'm paying? In our case, we're 1% all in on the advisory side, and that includes all of the financial planning that we do. It's not just investment management. The industry's kind of tipped the other way where, you know, they charge you investment fees, they charge you advisory fees, and, and most people don't pay attention. So as much as you like to click coupons and we all love a bargain, just make sure that we're reducing our costs and increasing our value. Uh, great advice and certainly uh, something that we all kind of do to a degree. We're all kind of familiar with that concept that we'll look for those things, but then we often overlook other areas. Um, another place we say one thing and do another, Mike, is just basically saying that we have a low risk tolerance, but having way too much risk in the portfolio, or maybe just not even knowing that we have too much risk in the portfolio. Often I think we feel like, well, I don't want to take a lot of risk, but you don't truly know if you are or not because you don't take the time or you haven't worked with somebody to find out. Oh, absolutely. And we see this on a daily basis. You know, so step one, when we're meeting with clients in that first discovery meeting, first thing we do is say, okay, how do we get here and where do we want to go? And then once we figure that out, then we resell them on what they already own. And what I mean by that is we do an analysis, includes a risk analysis of saying, okay, if you make no changes and you just stay on the path that you're already own, will you get there? And if so, and they're fine, then great. We just shake hands, park friends, say, hey, you're doing a great job. If we can't achieve the things that we want to, then we've got to have tweak some of the things in the portfolio or savings rate or something else. You know, that's where the plan comes in. 
So in the past, when I'd run these risk analysis reports for people, and they would come in and say, yeah, we're pretty conservative. Yeah, yeah, our broker says we're conservative. And they would be shocked at how much risk was actually in their portfolio because they thought they were being conservative because their broker told them, hey, you know, this is a moderate portfolio or a conservative portfolio. But then when I show them that risk analysis report, I show them that in a down market, similar to what we just went through, that they could possibly be down 20, 30, 40%. Their eyes get wide. And then they say, well, why would my broker say that that's conservative? And I kind of give them a, a tale about two clients that we have. So, and they're both pilots. So one's a commercial airline pilot. You know, he flies people from A to B on a major carrier. And, you know, his goal is, hey, I want to get you from here to there as safely as possible so we all make it home at the end of the day. The other is a test pilot for the military. And yeah, they're both pilots. So if you ask the commercial pilot what he thought about the test pilot, what do you think he'd say? That guy's crazy, right? <laughs> that guy's taking way too much risk. Right. And, you know, I'd never do that if that was me. And this is a pilot. Now, when you ask the test pilot, he's just flying. So when you ask your stockbroker about, am I being conservative in the market? Am I taking a lot of risk? That's like asking the test pilot about flying, right? The one idea is person's idea about being conservative isn't the same, especially if, like most brokers, they get paid to keep your money at risk in the market. So asking your broker, you know, am I being conservative is like asking that test pilot, you know, he just sees it as flying because it's not his money. Yeah. No, that's a great way of looking at that. And so we often get into these situations where we just do not realize we say one thing, we do another. You know, the producers wrote this a certain way. I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on it. But, you know, basically we, we want to care for, you know, we, we're married, we have a spouse, whatever the case is. We want to care for one another as we are aging, but maybe we don't often make the right decisions when it comes to making sure that they're going to be, the other person is taken care of after we're gone. Uh, a lot of us are very hesitant to talk about long-term care or some of the things that may happen after we pass. And I, I get that it's unpleasant, but again, say one thing, do another. No, I agree. And when we do our retirement success blueprint, you know, what, what we call our plan, the first component of that, before we talk about investments, before we talk about types of accounts or anything else, the first thing we do is the retirement income plan. It's a written retirement income plan. And that's the beginning of our retirement success blueprint, our kind of trademark planning process. And the reason why is that the plan should drive all investment decisions in good markets and bad. And here's how most people do it, right? They pick some funds, they pick some things out there, and then they just hope it goes, it's going to work out and they don't really understand why. So what we do is we tell them that you kind of need that written retirement plan. And the reason why is many times spouses think that they're both going to live forever. You know, now in deep down, they know that that's not the case. Uh, but what they do is they say, hey, you know, I just want to maximize my income. I want to get as much as possible. So when we put that retirement income plan together, once again, before we even start talking about investments, we say, where's our income coming from? Is it going to be relatively predictable? So we know that in good markets and bad, that we're going to be able to generate that same amount of income, you know, independent of the stock market or independent of the Fed. And then all of a sudden, it gives you peace of a mind to say, okay, I know my income's coming in, so I don't have to worry about taking too much risk or what's going to happen with taxes or things in the future. So that's step one. As soon as we get that retirement income plan together, the very next thing that we do is say, okay, that's in today's world. But what happens if one of you don't wake up tomorrow, right? So this is a great plan, a great income plan, but how does it change if life changes? So as an example, a lot of people aren't aware that let's say you're married and you're both on social security and one of you passes away. 
the lower of the two social security checks automatically goes away. So if the husband, and I always kill him off first, so I'll use him <laughs> with a higher income number. So let's say he was making $2,000 a month in social security and the wife was making $1,500 a month. So that's $3,500 a month of social security, over $40,000 of social security, independent of their investments, they're doing great. And now that bus comes out, takes out the husband. The wife's $1,500 check every month goes away. She gets the husband's $2,000. So yes, she's still getting $24,000 of social security now, but her $18,000 went away. Now, is she going to be okay living on $24,000 instead of the $40,000 plus? You know, most people don't think about that. But when you put the income plan together, you need to understand, okay, today, this is how it looks. But what happens if tomorrow's different, if something happens? We see it all the time when individuals come in and they're getting close to retirement and they want to take a pension. And usually the husband's like, I want this life only pension because it pays me $2,000 a month. And then I'll say, okay, but if something were to happen to you, once again, you know, you lose one of the social securities and now the pension goes away. If you do, how will your wife continue to pay your bills? And he doesn't really think, well, I'm going to outlive her. You know, that's usually what we hear, but that's not really a plan. So the next thing that we do is we follow up and say, okay, if that's the case, then would it be prudent maybe to make a little more sense if we figured in a survivor benefit where maybe your wife would continue to receive all of the benefit, you know, so you get $1,700 a month instead of $2,000 a month. But then that way, if something were to happen to either of you, that $1,700 continues. So anytime you do any kind of true financial planning, it's not about the investments. It's about making sure that both of you in this case, that your family's taken care of independent of what the market's doing. And this is what gives you certainty moving forward. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and a lot of us, you know, we do have trouble making those initial conversations or getting those, the, the ball rolling, whether it's amongst ourselves or with an advisor, but certainly important to do so. And as always, I, you know, hopefully the, the podcast gives you some things to think about and some ways to hopefully broach that conversation. So if you have questions, you can always reach out to Michael online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Uh, one more here, Mike, and that is uh, for those of us who, you know, we just, oh man, I can't see myself working much longer, man. I want to get out of here soon. You know, all that kind of stuff saying that we want to retire as soon as we can, you know, maybe uh, venting to the spouse on a regular basis about how much we can't stand it or whatever the case is, but then never really taking the time to find out when can we retire? How close are we? So on and so forth. Yeah, no, I agree. In every podcast that we do, I mention our financial planning process, that retirement success blueprint. The reason why is that the plan drives all investment decisions in good markets and bad. And here's how most people do it. You know, whether they're do-it-yourselfers that just pick some funds based on you know, how they performed last statement, or if they're working with a broker that just shows you a chart, invest your money, and then they just hope it all works out. So at some point in the future, you want to retire. And in those other examples, then whatever the balance is, that lets you know if you can retire or not. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's kind of having that hope as a strategy, hope that the market goes up so you can hopefully retire at some point. So here's how we do it, because I think this is what applies to, you know, where we say people say, you know, I want to retire as soon as possible, but they never actually get a plan together. So, for, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is what we do is we find out how do we get here? We know what worked, what didn't, where do we want to go from here? And as importantly, the first question is how much income are we going to need to make that happen in retirement? Then we build that retirement written income plan. It shows how much income you need, where you're going to get it from, where it's coming from, which accounts you take it. Then and only then do you then decide where the money's invested. 
that income plan should determine how much risk you're going to take or not, and that determines what investments you include. Most people pick the investments first, hoping to get an income later. We choose an income level and then invest in order to achieve that. So once you've solved the retirement income, then you can worry about what risk you need to take. Then you can worry about health care and long-term care planning and how you can save taxes in the future. Is your estate planning in place? But if you don't have that foundational piece, that retirement income plan, then you really truly don't have a plan because you're just hoping that you're saving enough. Well, if you don't ever map that out, how do you actually know you're going to get to your destination? I would rather know ahead of time that I'm making progress towards retiring early rather than get to where I want to retire and then being told that I can't. But had I planned a little bit, I might have been able to. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm with you in that camp as well. I'd, I'd like to know the information sooner rather than later, much like you know, a, a health diagnosis. We'd like to try to catch things as soon as possible. Same kind of idea. So again, as I mentioned before, if you've got questions or concerns, go to crystallaketax.com and you can send an email question to the show, which we take some of those from time to time here on the program. And we're going to do that right now. But if you do have some questions, you need some immediate help before you take action, you should always check with a qualified professional like Michael Stewart, who is the founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. And you can call him at 815-526-3092. That is 815-526-3092. All right, Marshall in McKinney has got a question for you. He says, I have a variable annuity and I just found out the fees are very high and I'd like to move the money someplace else but I'd have to pay that penalty to take it out. Is it worth the penalty to get away from the higher fees? Yeah, Marshall, that's a great question. It's one we answer for prospective clients pretty much every week. And everybody's answer is going to be a little bit different. Depends on how long ago you took it. Could there be some changes you make within the variable annuity? You know, I tell most clients there aren't very many bad investments, you know, bad stocks, bad mutual funds, bad bonds, bad annuities, et cetera. When we talk about variable annuities, I tend to think that in most instances, they are bad. Many times they are sold, not bought. And what I mean by that is you got enough of the story from the broker or the salesperson, be it at the bank or a brokerage firm or wherever, just enough to kind of wet your whistle. And how it usually goes is you go in, you want to talk to them about mutual funds or stocks and bonds. And then what they do is they say, hey, I can give you that. And oh, by the way, we can send it to an insurance company, you know, company ABC, you know, some multi-billion dollar insurance company. Yeah, I know them. And oh, by the way, we can add these bells and whistles, what they call writers on it, guarantee you income and retirement, guarantee you a death benefit. You know, so all of a sudden you're like, huh, okay, I get to be in the market, you know, in these various sub accounts, they call them like funds. Uh, I know that insurance company, it's a big, you know, household name. And oh, by the way, that I can buy certain guarantees. Yeah, sign me up. Well, who wouldn't want that? Well, what happens is a lot of times clients come into our office, they've had these things, you know, they signed up for eight or 10 years, you know, as a surrender charges and things. They're five years in, market's gone relatively straight up up until this year. And they're saying, you know what, I'm in the market, I've got all these funds and, you know, I know everything's doing well, but I'm really not doing so hot. So then what I do is, you know, I'll, I'll Google their prospectus, you know, all the legalese associated with it. And Marshall, I'll pull it out and then I'll show you the fees that you're paying internally. So it doesn't surprise me that you said about all the high fees. Typically, especially if you have one of those bit benefits, one of those riders attached to it, three and a half to 4% internal fees is about what the average variable annuity that has a rider attached to it. You're paying the insurance company one and one and a quarter. You're paying the investments inside one, one and a quarter. The writers cost you another one to one and a half percent. So it doesn't take long for you to get up to almost 4% in fees. And why is that important? 
let's say you had half a million in that variable annuity, Marshall, right? Then, and you're paying 4% of internal fees, most of which you didn't even know because they're not line items. You're paying over $20,000 in fees inside that variable annuity. So yeah, it becomes more difficult for you without taking a tremendous amount of risk, which you probably don't want to do. It becomes very difficult for you to make money. So the money managers are making money. The insurance company's making money. You bought a guarantee you'll probably never use you know, just because of the way that they really work in, in the real world. Yet in the meantime, you're still stuck for another five, six, seven plus years. You know, so whether you pay the penalty or not, that's when you kind of dig in the weeds and we do that, run an analysis for you and say, okay, at X amount of, let's call it that 4%, you know, of internal fees, you know the money's not going to grow to the level that it can because you're just getting eaten up by fees before you make it any money. And then the penalty is X. So the penalty could be 3%, might be 7%, whatever it happens to be. You run through the numbers and then you just make the conscious choice of saying, what would my break even be? So if I use a, a very reasonable rate of return, depending on whatever direction you're going to go for the next investment, is my break even in six months? Is it in 18 or 24 months? And if that break even is sooner than the remaining amount of time you have on that contract, then in more times than not, you rip the Band-Aid off, you pay the penalty and say good riddance, and you move on to the next strategy that you know is likely going to work for you. So we all hate paying penalties, but Marshall, I'm here to tell you, when you get locked up into something for seven, eight, 10 years, and it has huge fees in it, and you're locked up, you have to figure out is, are you just going to continue to make the insurance company rich, you know, and you getting kind of shekels on the side? Or do you rip the Band-Aid off and say, you know what, I know in a year or two, I'm going to be in a better place by moving today. So we'd be happy to take a look at your situation, Marshall. Uh, we resell you on what you own. You know, we just basically inform you and say, does it still make sense for you? And if it does, great. You keep it, at least you know. Uh, but if you're trying to get away from those fees, then you know, we could always show you an alternative. All right, Marshall, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and submitting a question. And folks, if you are listening to the podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would hit the subscribe button. Uh, you can do so on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you're choosing. And you can find those not only on those particular websites, just by searching Retirement Success Blueprint, but also at Michael's website as well at CrystalLakeTax.com. Again, that's CrystalLakeTax.com. Or just type in Retirement Success Blueprint on Apple's uh, search or Google search or Spotify, and you'll find the podcast that way. Michael, as always, my friend, thank you for your time. I appreciate you this week here on the show. Hope you have a good, safe week, and we will see you soon. You take care, Mark. We'll talk to you next time, folks, here on the Retirement Success Blueprint Podcast with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance.
Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies LLC are not associated entities.